with a look back over the weekend sports action. This is Full Time on KCLR with Sinead Kyo. Welcome along to Full Time with myself, Sinead Kyo. Good to be back. It's been two long weeks since I last spoke to you and a lot has happened since then. Um, I reckon you coped all right without me last week, though. Uh, Kilkenny being crowned Leinster champions for a third year in a row. If you're at that game, do get in touch with me. Give me all your opinions on everything that happened on the pitch and indeed off the pitch as well. The text line is open 083 306 um, As always, as we have a jam-packed show I'm going to be talking to Carlo Ladies football manager after Carlo's fantastic win over Derry at the weekend I'll also be speaking as well to professional golfer Harry Ewing about the civil war that's happening in golf at the moment and I'll also be joined by Tyke Coakley as well the author of an emotional new sports book called The Game but first the biggest event in the Irish cycling calendar is happening this week Ross Talton is kicking off on Wednesday and here to tell me about this highly anticipated race is race director uh, of Ross Talton 2022, Jar Campbell, as well as Aidan Crowley, 19-time Ross rider. Jar, uh, after a three-year hiatus now, can you describe the anticipation and the excitement uh, that is building for this event? Yeah, look, it's we're nearly there now. This is it was supposed to be eight months in the planning, but it ended up, because of obvious reasons, two years and eight months in the planning. So it's been a long time, and uh, look, we nearly have all the eyes dotted and the T's crossed at this stage. So, yeah, we're looking good for rolling out at Tala at 12 noon on Wednesday. Yeah, and it's going to be uh, it's going to be taking in lots of venues in Kilkenny as well. Do you have any idea kind of roughly when they're going to be arriving in uh, Ballyragget, Freshford and Arlingford? I don't have those details actually to hand at the moment, but we, we do kick off at, at 12 noon in uh, Tala, as I said, and the stage finishes in Horse and Jockey in County Tipperary. Uh, I expect it to be finished about 3pm or a little bit before it. Uh, we, we we take, we, as, I say, as you said yourself, we go cross-country through Wicklow, Kildare, and through a tie down into Castlecomer, and over a, a fairly hefty climb in, in Castlecomer, between Castlecomer and Ballyragga. Uh, I'd expect them to be there around about 1pm. Oh, sorry, 2pm in, in, in going over that climb. And we drop down off that climb into Ballyragga and we make make our way across through Freshford then in, into Orlingford and the fast finish then into Horse and Jockey. So I suppose between the climb coming out of Castlecomer and uh, the finish in Horse and Jockey, you're probably talking about an hour. So all the action will be taking place on those roads between 2 and 3 p.m. Yeah, definitely. And and we'd encourage everyone to kind of get out and, and see it because it is going to be quite a spectacle. And, and as I mentioned there, kind of in the intro, you know, it's been three long years now since we've been treated to, to such an, an event. So um, it'll be great for to kind of get as much support out on the roads as possible. Oh, absolutely, and it, the riders are always hugely appreciative of the of, uh, of the support to get along the road. It, it's all part of it. Look, it's a super spectacle. We have 175 riders, 23 county teams, two other Irish teams, and 10 visiting teams coming in from abroad. Uh, you've got probably 50 support vehicles behind them, along with all the carnival, the cavalcade that will go before it, the team support vans and all. So, yeah, look, it's a huge spectacle. It's a huge show of colour, yeah, absolutely. Bringing 
free sport to the roads of Ireland. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, and Aidan, I just want to bring you into the conversation as well. I mentioned there in the intro, you've taken part in uh, this race 19 times. So Ross Talton really has been a big part of your life for many, many years. Uh, what makes it so special? Um, well, it's the holy grail of Irish cycling, Sinead. So if you're a bike rider, uh, it is the biggest race that you can possibly be in. So it is as simple as that. So when we're, I was looking at that race from under 12 to under 14 to under 16 to junior categories. So the minute I became a senior, um, and you have to be a very good senior, um, you want to ride it. So you're looking for teams, you're trying to get onto the clubs that ride the race and uh, test yourself against the best that, that are going to come from abroad. And so, speaking, speaking of the best then, um, I know that you're kind of managing a team at the moment and, and, and yeah. you know, they're, pe- they're pipped to possibly win uh, the event. Can you tell us a little bit about the team that, you, that you're managing and, and kind of the preparation that has gone in? Yeah, so, so um, you kind of get older. As you can see from riding at 19 times, eventually you all the time catches up with you and I start running my own team. Um, that's the all human Vela Revolution team, and um, it would be we kind of have Dara Feely who could who could do well. He's the number one ranked rider in Ireland for the last three years, um, and four backup riders who can all do their own damage uh, during the individual stages. Um, so it's a great honour to to manage them, and it's a great honour to have actually a team in the race, Sinead. Yeah, no, it definitely is. And you were saying there, so like most of the teams that are, are going to be competing in this race are Irish, but there's a couple of international teams coming over as well, Jar, isn't there? Yeah, look, up until the last edition in, in, in 2018, this, this event had evolved from its early days in the 50s up to becoming a, a truly UCI-ranked international race. And uh, it it got to a level way above what it was back in the day. But it kind of left it a little bit undoable for a lot of Irish riders. And, you know, this is a new, a new an organising group that's, that's, that's taking charge of the race this year for the first time. And uh, I suppose in, in certain ways, we wanted to go back to its roots a bit and go back to the, the, the county, the emphasis on the county teams. And we've got a great take up on that. As I said, there's 23 Irish domestic teams in it. And, you know, there is visiting teams coming in this year, but there probably are less of them than there was maybe four or five years ago. And I'm not going to say they're not up to standard. They were. There's always a high level of standard that comes in from the visiting teams. But this year was a little bit about going back to its roots. And, uh, you know, giving the race back to the county rider. There hasn't been an Irish winner of this race since 2008. And uh, I'm not going to say definitively that there can be an Irish winner this year, but there's a huge possibility of an Irish winner this year. That's that's my own opinion on it. Yeah, um, you were saying there it's going back to its to its roots, um, and I'm just wondering. There's just something that I was kind of reading up uh, on there today. Just the the sponsorship um, of this event. I know that it was sponsored before by FB, FBD, for example, on post. It doesn't have kind of that big sponsor this year. It's kind of the the smaller companies are are getting behind it. But I, I'm just wondering, like the loss of a sort of a flagship sponsor. What kind of an impact does that have on on the race? No, it's huge. FBD were involved, as you alluded to. FBD were involved for very close on 30 years, like. And then, then we went in in 2011. We went into the Unpost era, and uh, Unpost sponsored the race for for seven successive editions. And in 2018, the race went ahead 
without any title sponsor, but I suppose with the, with a contingency fund that had been built up over over previous years. But uh, the contingency fund wasn't long running out when, when, when we had no title sponsor. So it only allowed it to happen once. And in 2019, it didn't happen at all. And that was absolutely 100% due to, to no title sponsor. So when it didn't happen in 2019, you know, a group of us got together and said, OK, maybe we can do something differently here and go back ways to go forward. And that's how this has come about because uh, there's a huge cost difference between the type of race that was run in 20, you know, all along from say 2011 to 2018 than what we're putting on the, on the road this year. But nonetheless, uh, it's still an international race. It's still the huge spectacle it always was. It's just more doable from a financial perspective and probably more doable from, from uh, the, the, the normal Irish domestic rider, you know, Aiden looks after his own team, as, as he alluded to there, and he would have an insight into, you know, the, the Irish domestic riders. But we just feel it's more doable for them this year. And uh, it's five days instead of eight. It's literally been built brick by brick with with sponsors. FBD Insurance are back on board this year for the first time in, in 12 years, sponsoring one of the classifications. And we hope that can evolve into something maybe more going forward. Uh, but it's important that we put on a good show next next week and or this week, and uh, you know, show that we can give value to potential sponsors, the the existing new ones, and maybe more potential ones to come in going forward. Because uh, to do it like this again is undoable. You just just couldn't build it like this. Uh, basically, we've been building it brick by brick, and. Um, as I said, we would need more financial clout going forward. Absolutely, yeah. Yeah, and just kind of on that, just kind of on funding, um, Jar, I'm just interested to know kind of like in terms of, say, government funding, do you think you're getting enough support? Is, is cycling getting getting enough support from Sport Ireland, for example? I know we spoke about sponsorship, but what about government funding? Yeah, well, look, uh, Cycling Ireland are, are, are directly funded by Sport Ireland, as are all the national governing bodies. And uh, we've got a huge support of Cycling Ireland this year because it's in their interest, I suppose, as the national governing body to get the flagship event back on the on the road again. And we've got huge support from them. And uh, they've, they have financially supported the race this year way over and above what they would have done in the past because there is no title sponsor. But they themselves wouldn't be in a position to do that on an annual basis going forward. And we understand that and we appreciate that and we've agreed that with them. So, you know, we're very happy with what we've got from them this year, but uh, it would be undoable going forward. So uh, we know that. So race has to be able to stand on its own two feet going forward. Yeah, just kind of sticking with the positives then, just kind of looking forward to uh, this event now starting on Wednesday. Is the weather to be good for anyone that is thinking about coming out, showing support, uh, taking in the spectacle? Is, Is the weather to be good now for the next couple of days? It's not looking too bad, actually. Yeah, there could be a bit of showery weather on, on, on Wednesday and Thursday. But look, eh, that's what we will r- refer to as Ross weather. Some of the great anecdotes through the years has come out with terrible days. and the, <laughs> you know. Uh, but no, the weather looking, is looking pretty good. Uh, it's, be, it's to be between 22 and 26 degrees for the, the Queen stage of the race, I suppose, in Silistan Varna on Friday. And uh, yeah, so yeah, look... We'll take, what, we'll, take, we'll take what comes, but hopefully it stays dry for them, yeah. 
Yeah, well, listen, lads, thanks so much for, for joining me on the, the show today. Um, and as I said just a few minutes ago as well, anyone uh, that, that are, in, are in any of those areas there in, in Kilkenny, Bally, Ragged, Freshford, Arlingford, do make sure, get out, show support. Um, the weather's to be fine. It's going to be a, a great spectacle and the first time for this event to be staged um, in three years. So so definitely get out and support. But thanks so much for joining me on, on the show and all the best with everything. Full time on KCLOR. With thanks to the full range of Volkswagen vehicles at La Hartz, the home of Volkswagen in Kilkenny. LahartzVolkswagen.ie Yeah, that was Jesse J there with price tag saying it ain't about the cha-ching, cha-ching. But Jesse was one of the artists to perform at the Controversial Live series in Saudi. So it turns out that it might be about the money. What do you think, Harry Ewing? It most certainly is all about the money, Sinead. When you see the, the, the figures that are involved here, the, the PGA Tour can't compete with this kind of money. It's uh, amazing the payout that was involved in the first tournament that they had in London in just our week gone by and, and for the winner Charles Swartzel to win four million of a of a first prize and, and the forty eight player uh, in the field who came finished last got hundred and twenty thousand uh, dollars for finishing last. It's it's frightening the money that's on display, but the Saudis have, have plenty of money, if not a whole lot else, uh as regards uh, dignity and ethics and all the rest. Uh, we can either get into some of that or, or not too deep into all of it. But uh Money is no problem, that's for sure. The guy that won this tournament then, I know you just mentioned him there. Like, just give me a little bit of context about who he is. Yeah, like, obviously, look, a top-class player in his day, shall we say, winning the Masters back in 2011, and the South African was a was a class performer. But there's no doubt he, like a lot of the pros that at the moment have signed up to this uh, live tour are, are past their best days. And, and really what they're doing is cashing in and trying to make themselves still relevant, I suppose. Some of them are caught between a rock and a hard place that they're not quite old enough yet to play on maybe the seniors tour, but you have to be 50 to qualify for that. I'm thinking of our own Graham McDowell, who, who has struggled in the last three or four years on the main tour, but yet is a good six years away from playing on a, on a seniors tour. So, you know, I can, in in one small way, understand his position. He feels he can cash in and, and make some serious money on this at a time where he's going to struggle to remain relevant and, and keep his playing rights on the main tour. But Graham McDowell has won uh, enough titles and enough money. He won a major way back in 2010, and held that iconic putt in the Ryder Cup in Celtic Manor in the same year. So his legacy is already there, and there was talk of being a future Ryder Cup captain, and, and you know whether he realises it or not, but he's he's tarnished his, his name and reputation now by signing up to this tour, as they all have, to be honest. But, um, yeah, like it, it was mixed, I suppose, Sinead, the 48 players between some names that we would have heard of before, like major winners, Charles Swartzel, Graham McDowell, Dustin Johnson being the highest profile and, and that came as a bit of a, a shock and an announcement to see a guy who's very much still in the prime of his career going to play on that tour. So, But he came out, Dustin is, is, is gas, he came out with a, a really funny interview during the week and, and said he will play in these 
uh, eight tournaments this year. I think it grows to 12 next year on this tour. And he hopes to play in the four majors. And, and that's enough for him. He'll play 12 events this year. And when he was questioned as to what will you do for the other 40 weeks, he said, well, I'll just enjoy myself and I, I don't have to tell you what I'm going to do. So these guys have already earned a huge amount of money from playing golf. The money that's been pumped into golf probably in the last 20 years since Tiger Woods has been around is, is astronomical. So, you know, in one way, they definitely don't need it for the money to secure livelihoods or to secure the future of their family. But it's it's pure greed and and, and it's, it's an attraction to being guaranteed astronomical amounts of money and they don't really care where it comes from. And uh, yeah, and, and Harry, just kind of on that as well, I know you were saying like it's kind of a means for them to stay relevant. And uh, I thought it was funny actually during the week, I think it was on Sky Sports, they they introed Graham McDowell's uh, press conference as uh, introducing him as being world's number 374, which I do think was um, a little bit of a dig there at, at Graham McDowell. But is it only, now pardon the pun here, because I know that they're calling it sports washing, but is it only the kind of washed up, players that are taking part in this or is there anyone now that you were kind of surprised by that they um, you know that they, that they decided to sign up for it Very good I'll answer that in two parts we'll talk about the world number 374 Graham McDowell and, and look you know what kind of annoys me and I'm not having a, a dig at him it's a dig at the whole lot of them like Graham McDowell is no fool he's a nice fella he's around the same age as I am I've met him a couple of times I've interviewed him a couple of times he registers what goes on in the world as much as any of us do or as much as any tour player does even though they operate in in a bubble as such they're earning so much money and they get treated like royalty but he's come out this week and been kind of the front and centre spokesman for this tour and if you've seen some of the the PR pieces and the interviews that he's done they're very much pushing him forward and that's a role he's obviously agreed to or he, he wants to take on but some of the rubbish and irony that he's come out with to be honest is 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 unbelievable and and you know like I said he's not ignorant to what has gone on in Saudi Arabia and the abuses and but something else I suppose has mattered more to him and I suppose that's something else is purely money you know so like I said he has been an iconic golfer of the past Uh, he's built up uh, a legacy that he'll always have being a major champion major champion winner but uh, I think he's kind of ruined that to a certain extent uh, by going down this route but I'm not that surprised like I said with him you're right the world ranking is way down Um, he's not alone in that Martin Keimer uh, would have a world ranking that's gone way down as well. Some other journeyman pro are in there. Richard Bland, who's been on tour for many years, managed to get his first win last year, but again, wouldn't be a, a world beater. Um, Dustin Johnson definitely would be the, the highest profile, and, and Bryson DeChambeau is playing in the next event that they have in Portland, Oregon, in a few weeks' time. So he's quite a high-profile name. Patrick Reed, the American uh, he has had plenty of run-ins with the PGA Tour, so it's no surprise that he's running away from them and, and going over here. So, look, it's causing a lot of disruption in the world of golf. It remains to be seen how this thing plays out over the coming weeks and months because they're getting a foothold. And the, and the prize money, like I said, it was a $20 million purse for that tournament with only 48 players involved. You're guaranteed money. There's no cut. So when you turn up, you're guaranteed a minimum 120 grand. So there's people that will be very interested in that. And uh, it remains to be seen how many more decide to jump ship from the PGA Tour. But it was good to see that the PGA Tour came out during the week and, and held firm. And 
confirmed that they're going to suspend these players for um, joining this uh, opposition tour, this lived golf tour. So, look, anyone that watched the golf last night and saw Rory McIlroy win in uh, the Canadian Open, you know, that's really where it's at, to be honest. Two two or three top-class players battling it out himself and Justin Thomas and Tony Finau. That's the excitement and the world-class golf that, as viewers, we want to sit down and watch. It's not some tournament for 48 kind of has-been pros in a random golf club somewhere dotted uh, in America, to be honest. That that doesn't excite me. But look, it's a very interesting story and it's something that we're going to have to keep an eye on for the remainder of the summer. Yeah, and you mentioned Rory there and I think he comes out looking very well kind of, um, you know, off the back of all of this, Harry, doesn't he? Like, you know, I, I know a lot of people kind of tend to criticise Rory McIlroy and I've, I've never really understood that and kind of his character but like, you know, he's not to everyone's taste but you'd really have to admire his stance on this particular issue. Yeah, in fairness, if you listen to a lot of Rory's interviews he, he shoots and he talks very openly and honestly and you don't always get that with top professional sports people and they're usually I suppose tutored and advised and guarded as regards talking to the media but Rory talks straight out sometimes he, he's too open he kind of he, he says things that he regrets after but you'll always get the real version from Rory and yes he's involved with the tournament players committee uh, on the PGA Tour so he's, he's involved at a level there and uh, he's very much a representative of the PGA Tour. But, you know, he, he's a very straight-shooting guy. You compare it to the stuff that Rory McIlroy stands for versus what Graham McDowell stands for, and they're poles apart. And, and look, maybe you can say they're at different places in their life or in their career. It's easier for Rory, who has multi-multi-multi-millions, to not need to get his head turned like Graham McDowell. But no, Rory's a, a solid guy and a huge supporter of the PGA Tour, and um, that's where he'll be playing his golf for the foreseeable future. And look, it was great to see him, you know, play so well last night. And um, the uh, components of his game that have let him down maybe over the last couple of years. And I say let him down only to the very high levels that we usually mark him off. But his wedge play was brilliant over the four days in Canada. And to get that two-shot victory, defend his title because he won there last year, puts him in a great position as he heads into another huge week of golf for the US Open this week. I was just going to say to you, he's a busy man. He's going to be heading to the the US Open now this weekend. How do you see that going, Harry? Yeah, look, the US Open is a quirky one. I've yet to kind of see exactly what way the setup of the course is. Um, I believe it's going to be kind of very fair setup in the past. The USGA would kind of play around with the golf course and, and trick it up a little bit because it's their national championship and, and they don't like the pros kind of playing too well or, or ripping it apart, shall we say. So it remains to be seen in the early days this week what the tournament setup is like. But look, he's playing well. He has played well this season. To get that win was obviously important and it validates what he's doing and, and gives him the self-belief and confidence of the work that he's putting in is, is, is working, I suppose. But any tournament he pitches up at, he has a great chance. Obviously, a bit of a hoodoo now of winning a major after this prolonged period all the way back to 2014 is, is the psychological barrier more than anything else that Rory needs to get over. But if he keeps turning up at them and giving himself a chance going into the weekend or going into the final round on Sunday, I'm sure he will kick one off. But he's a, a busy few weeks coming up. A pity we won't see him at the Irish Open in Mount Juliet but he's he's a hell of a lot to play in he's gone down to Adair Manor to play in the JP McManus Pro-Am for those two days and, and then it's kind of 
Scottish Open and British Open and 150th Open Championship over in St Andrews in the middle of July. So it's a very busy period for golf. He can't play every week. He has to manage his schedule to make sure that he's fresh and to make sure that he brings his best game. And he did that last night. And, and let's tune in this week and see how the US Open is because uh, it's, a, it's a huge tournament. It's one of the, the four majors on the men's schedule. And, and a lot of people will tune in and watch that from a, from a fantastic golf course over here in America. Yeah, really looking forward to that one. And actually, I was only reading about uh, Rory there this morning. And I was actually kind of surprised to learn he's only 33. I just feel like he's been around such a long time. But he's plenty more years still left in him. And, and you know, he seems to be riding um, on a very kind of good wave now at the moment um, where, where golfing is concerned. So hopefully that will continue. But listen, Harry, it's um, it's been great chatting to you as always. And sure, look, we'll be, we'll be talking again very soon, no doubt. But thanks a million for taking the time to, to chat to us today on Full Time. Thanks, Sinead. A pleasure. Thank you. That was a professional golfer and three off the tee podcaster Harry Ewing there filling us in on everything that's happening in the world of golf. We're going to take a quick break now, but stay where you are. We're going to be uh, talking about a fascinating new book that does a deep dive into why sport is so important. So that's next. Full time on KCL or with thanks to the full range of Volkswagen vehicles at Lahartz, the home of Volkswagen in Kilkenny, LahartzVolkswagen.ie. Welcome back to Full Time with myself, Sinead Kyo. Now, my next my next guest is a novelist, a sports writer, an All Ireland minor hurling winner, and also a a proud Cork man as well. Uh, Ty Coakley has just launched his new book, The Game. And this is a book like you've never read before. Um, I can guarantee you that it reflects on the joys of sport as a player and as a fan um, and sport's pervasive influence on both good and bad. Uh, Ty joins me on the line now. Ty, Ty, thanks so much for, for coming on to Full Time to have a chat to us about your new book. How are you keeping? Very good, Sinead. Thanks for having me on your show. Not at all. Um, Ty, congratulations on this book. I I really mean it. I've been reading it over the last couple of days. Um, And I've given a little summary there kind of about, you know, what the the, the book is about. But maybe you could explain a little bit better about what you'll find kind of on the pages of the game. Well, it's a it's a kind of a it's a book about sport, as you say, but it's also it's partly a memoir about my playing sport and the the two things about the book I suppose to know is that I you know most sports books are about famous you know players in the GA who won multiple all Irelands or players from Manchester United or Liverpool those kind of people but it's I I never played to that level so it's more an everyman book really and I hope that people will kind of relate to it as that you know anybody who is involved in sport or follow sport should like it and the second thing about it is it's written in the form of essays and I got great uh, advice about the essay form a few years ago from Sally Rooney when she was editor of the Singing Fly magazine, I, I, I wrote to her and I said, Sally, I'm thinking of writing a sports essay. What should I do? And she said, an essay has to be personal and universal at the same time. It has to be subjective and an objective. So I have a lot of my personal about my life in the in the book, but it's also about why we all are interested in sport, why all your listeners and the people in 
Kilkenny and Carlow love sport so much. So it has two kind of purposes there. Yeah, you mentioned there about how it's it's personal and um, I have to say I really found the book to be very moving. Like it, there was kind of an emotional response from me when I was reading the book um, and, and certain chapters in particular. Uh, like I know there's a, there's a chapter or an essay there called Kissing um, and it just kind of, I don't know now, like something that sort of struck me when I was reading the book was I kind of had this realisation um, that, you know, for men in particular, I think sport kind of offers them uh, maybe a little bit of a, a, an emotional release um, it gives men I suppose permission maybe to be a little bit more vulnerable uh, to embrace one another to cry even uh, is that kind of part of the reason do you think why it means so much I think it's the whole purpose of sport really and art as well is that we want to feel emotion we want to be connected to people with our family our friends our community our identity and that Essay Kisses tells a story uh, after um, uh, when I was in the Cork Miners in 1979, we won the All-Ireland and when we came back to the train station in Cork, I, 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 I got off the train and I could see my father bursting through the crowd and he kissed me on the a train station and it's the only memory I have of my father kissing me. I mean, I'm sure, I'm sure he kissed, kissed me when I was a child. He was a loving man and a tactile man, but when my father died in 1998, I held that kiss very close and I still have it. And I have it because of sport and because my father allowed himself to show his emotion because of sport that day on the train station. And it's amazing how many people have contacted me with stories and memories of their mother and father and big sporting events and other events as well. And, you know, the connection they had from those uh, moments as well. So that's that's what that uh, essay is about. Yeah, that was definitely one of my favourites um, from the book. And, and I, I just kind of on that sort of theme of, you know, father and son relationships and how it kind of strengthens the bond, just something else that you bring up in the book as well is that famous photo um, from... When when Galway won the All Ireland there a couple of years ago, and of the the Galway manager uh, Mihal O'Donoghue with his father after uh, returning home to to Galway, that that's just such a special picture, and I think it really uh, speaks yeah. to you know that bond between father and son that they kind of established through sport. Oh, absolutely, really, and you know, I mean the photo you can look it up uh, easily. Uh, it's available online and the, uh, the Lee McCarthy Cup is in the, his father's hand, Michael, and he's crying. And, you know, Michal is trying to keep it together. And after that photo, and it was the first time that Galway won in Ireland in a long time. And, of course, Michael is so proud. He never thought the, the Cup would come west to the Shannon again in his lifetime. And, you know, the fact that his son made that happen, you know, meant everything to him. And... It meant everything to me, Hall as well. He'll have that, you know, long after, you know, the details of that All Ireland uh, final in 2017 uh, are forgotten. He'll he'll hold that kind of moment very dear to him. Yeah, definitely. And like I know we're speaking there kind of about the bonds that you, you create through sport. But I also, yeah, I think what's so special about it as well, you think about your community. Uh, sport is so tribal as well, Tyke, isn't it? It's it's like it gives you that sense of belonging that as humans, I think we really long for. We do, really. And we learn this as children. And, you know, we don't really know why 
we get involved in sports, say, let's when we're children. And it all happens when we're children. Uh, but when we go to school and we learn about organised sport, like we play games before we go to school, but then we learn about organised sport and we want to be part of it because we see how much it means to our old, older siblings, our friends, our mother and fathers, and we want to be part of that then. And we want to play as well. You know, it's, it's, it's great fun as well, sport. And, of course, as parents, we want our children to play sport because we know the benefits of that, the connections they'll make that they'll have for life, the kind of skills they're going to learn about networking, about focus, hard work, you know, the how it means when you dedicate just to something, the success that you get from it. And also... Children learn how to lose, you know, how to learn with disappointment and and cope with disappointment. And it's a great bond then, you know, between the parents and the children and the children and their community. And they'll have that for life really afterwards. Yeah, and that's I I love that point that you just made there as well at the end. And um, Tyg, like you know, you, you learn all of the the good things of, about life and friendship and and bonding, but you you also learn like how to deal with things like disappointment as well. And like you know, that's something that especially as children, like you need to learn because you know you never know what life is going to throw at you as as the as the years go by. But listen, Tyg, it's been absolutely fascinating talking to you. Um, and anyone out there that's listening to this conversation, do yourselves a favour and go out and get the game by Ty Coakley and um, you will not be disappointed I can guarantee you that so Ty listen it's been a, it's been a pleasure thanks thanks so much and um, I hope the book goes well uh, by the sounds of it it's it's flying off the shelves um, but we'll uh, hopefully we'll, we'll chat to you again soon on KCLR but thanks so much for joining us on Full Time Thanks a million Sinead I really appreciate that Full time on KCLR. With thanks to the full range of Volkswagen vehicles at Lahartz, the home of Volkswagen in Kilkenny, lahartzvolkswagen.ie. Full time on KCLR. With thanks to the full range of Volkswagen vehicles at Lahartz, the home of Volkswagen in Kilkenny, lahartzvolkswagen.ie. On KCLR Live tomorrow, US country sensation Gareth Brooks joins me on the show when we talk about the Croke Park gigs, the Kilkenny hurlers and how he'll treat his time in Ireland like a honeymoon. Hello, Miss Emer. I am fantastic. Thank you for the introduction. It's, I, I think it's, um, uh, over here we call it kind of poetic justice um, that these people that waited as long, if not longer than everybody else that didn't get tickets... Now all of a sudden have a shot at the best seats in the house. Don't miss my interview with Gareth Brooks on KCLR Live tomorrow morning after the news at 10. Definitely do not miss that interview with Gareth Brooks tomorrow morning with uh, Emer Nivrain on. I almost squealed actually when she uh, told me that she was going to have Gareth Brooks uh, on the show. I am a massive Gareth Brooks fan, so definitely stay tuned um, to KSLR Live in the morning. Now, the Carlo ladies footballers had another superb win in the junior championship when they defeated Derry in their back garden at the weekend. I'm joined on the line now by their manager, uh, Ed Byrne. Ed, Thanks so much for joining us on Full Time. How are you keeping? Not too bad now, Sinead. Thanks for having me on. Not at all. Listen, two wins on the trot now, Ed. The girls must have been on a high travelling back from, from Derry at the weekend. Yeah, they were indeed. Yeah, it's, it's a long five and a half hour journey. So uh, 
the, the victory really did help with the journey back now so they were in great form Yeah and can I ask was it one that you were kind of expecting to win when you were travelling up did you, did you reckon that like you know you had a good chance of, of getting the win over Derry or how were you feeling about that game Yeah so like I suppose coming into the first game we didn't know where we stood but when we got the good results against Fermanagh I suppose coming into the Derry game we knew they'd be they'd be a difficult task but we, we were confident we were confident that we could get the result um, come the game yeah, and um, I, I did actually see a great photograph on, on Twitter as well of the girls. They had the Derry girls in the background and I think the caption was when the when the Carlo girls met the, the Derry girls. So you've had a bit of crack afterwards as well, after the game. Yeah, yeah no, we did, we did. Look, with all, with all this sport and the football thing, you have to have a bit of enjoyment with it or, or it doesn't it doesn't become worthwhile you know it has to fit in around everything else so like a bit of enjoyment as well as playing the game is all part of it all Yeah absolutely look before I let you go there um, you have London up next what are you expecting from, from that game Ed? Yeah well look it, it's a must win game for both teams you know so whichever team uh, is going to win is probably going to is going to qualify so you know we're, we're, we lost to London by uh, four or five points in in the league so look look, we're not taking that for granted but we feel that in the last three or four months that we've, we've come on a lot so we're going into the game hoping and expecting to get a win Well look we, we wish all the best um, in that game of course we're going to be following it very closely here on full time um, and scoreline as well so all the best Ed and thanks so much for joining us on, on, the, on the show today Thanks very much Thanks a million. That was Ed Burke there, the manager of the Carlo ladies football team. That's just about all we have time for on the show today. Uh, do join me back here next week for more sporting chat. But for now, I've been Sinead Kyo and this has been Full Time. Uh, look after yourselves and I will talk to you again soon. Full Time on KCLOR. With thanks to the full range of Volkswagen vehicles at La Hearts, the home of Volkswagen in Kilkenny. La Hearts, Volkswagen.ie.